Hello. That's Dove of Warning Light. (laughs) (laughs) That is Emily. And this is Lightweight True Crime. Um, what, what, did, what did we just open there, Emily? We just opened a nice, cool, chilled can of Diet Coke. Hashtag ad. Just kidding. We're drinking Diet Cokes because those drinks that Ryan made us for the last episode were very strong and we are recording two in a row. So yeah, we're still nursing the drinks that Ryan made us, but, uh, Ryan, our executive bartender, producer, bartender Emily's partner in life um he's going to talk a little bit more about what really we finally figured out the right ratio of like ice to ingredients for this drink yeah okay so they finally agreed oh my to gosh wow we just picked that up i know with each other um, i'm really proud of which that. i think is the best decision <laughs> that i love the so very good talk show it is trying to it get is you a mic american treasure like, no. When have I ever been one to no, deny a microphone? <laughs> no, no, we all know that's a lie. So um, they told me, hey, talk about uh, the Jimmy old-fashioned you made last episode because we can't drink people. anymore because this Julie. is the lightweight true crime and, you know and close to true James fashion, Corden and they Harry Styles thing that they have unbelievably going on. lightweight. So um, they're well. still nursing that drink. Talking it up and here's my thoughts. Also, oh, Lizzo is going to be on the Christmas episode of SNL. Oh, nice. Yeah. So this drink was like, the flavors were great, but it tasted like a concentration juice where like you needed to like, you know, one part what I gave them and then three parts water to water it down. But the flavors are great, but it just tastes, it just makes you want to like do that. Is that a gross thing to do into microphone? Or... People with uh, misophonia, I hate that. Peter Piper. With what? <laughs> misophonia. That sounds like something a seventh grader made up. <laughs> no, it's not. Listen to Dax Shepard's podcast. He talks about it because. It's also like somebody who's like, like, oh, I hate phones. Oh, I have this misophonia <laughs> no. disorder. No, it's, I remember <laughs> it's like, oh my, because oh my, also oh my theater days are coming. Sounds like misophony. So they say misophonia. Uh, Wait, and what is that? It's from that song. <laughs> no, I <don't>. really. <laughs> okay. okay, I don't know what go. that is, but All what right. is misophonia? It's when you, when you don't like the, or the like chewing sounds. So they would hate so, ASMR. Yeah, it's like the opposite of ASMR. ASM, no thanks. <laughs> okay, can I tell the story about another time when you didn't water down something that was like concentrate? I don't know what you're talking about, so go ahead. <laughs> so when I was pregnant, I was super sick. And <laughs> really, <Okay. laughs> I couldn't this eat. This is really good. I couldn't eat anything. I was throwing everything up. So we had just come home from like the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was, were like, just try like chicken soup. Because it's like super salty and it'll help and it's broth. And so I couldn't do it because I was literally dead. And so Ryan had graciously and the loving husband that I am had apparently never made canned chicken soup before. I grew up in Southern 
Orange County, okay? We don't you had to eat canned you, you had chicken nana. noodle soup over here. Okay, you had a nanny. You had a nana. Continue. Um, <laughs> and so he poured the can into a pan and then poured it in, into a bowl. So he didn't, like, mix it with water. So he gives it to the, me. The directions were unclear. And <laughs> no, you didn't read the directions. They were unclear. So I'm eating it and going, wow, I must be really sick because this tastes so <laughs> salty. You know, and I'm over here thinking, and I'm husband of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I am feeding her in bed. She has, she is sick. Therefore, chicken noodle soup is the cure. And it takes me a while to look down at it and realize this isn't really liquid. And I go, did you mix this with water? And he goes, no, why would I? <laughs> I'm like, because you're supposed to. And I can't eat chicken soup now. Well, you haven't tried. Yeah, maybe I'll try. Let me let me try again. Let me redeem myself. I'm going to micromanage you, though. Never mind. I take it okay, back. Okay, give the mic back to Sarah. All right. So, okay, so we're still nursing these uh, um, old fashions here, which I am also enjoying myself. Um, and Sarah has a wonderful story about an old fashioned, too. I really do. Um, however, I really enjoyed the marital banter that just happened there. <laughs> yeah, let's never let that happen. No, I love it. Also, like the next time you're pregnant and just sick beyond any human uh-huh. comprehension, Ryan can try that again. Yeah, I'll have him call you. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll supervise while yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. bed. We'll podcast it. We'll podcast record it. it. We'll podcast give, the whole pregnancy. Give the people what great. they want. So as we, yeah, as we were making these drinks, I was telling Ryan that the best old fashioned I've ever had was at a now at a bar that doesn't exist anymore in La Mirada called puzzles called puzzle bar. I think puzzle bar. Yeah. Okay. So do you know what that's from? What? No. Okay. So it's from how I met your mother. Oh, okay. I was like, why is Ryan look so excited? They're like, we should get a bar. And they're like, what would the bar be called? And they're like puzzles. And people are like, why is it called puzzles? That's the puzzle. That is something resembling funny. Uh-huh. So uh, the, and we met the guys who opened that oh, puzzles bar and they said that's why they oh, named that's it puzzles. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. So, so yeah, the best Anyways. old fashioned I've ever had was at Puzzle Bar. I was on a date. It was my 26th birthday. And I, in true lightweight form, should never be allowed to drink in public, much less alone, like on a, in a on dating a scenario. And so I had this one old fashioned and then the bar was like, oh my gosh, it's your birthday, birthday shots. And so then I proceed to do a birthday shot. And then I was like, I got to pee. And so in the women's restroom, because there is no place that like where you feel more solidarity with your fellow mm-hmm. man than a bunch of drunk girls, woman. At a, a woman, than a bunch of drunk girls at a bathroom at a bar. And I don't know how I got to talking with this girl in line for the bathroom, but we were both on dates and we were like, Oh my gosh, how's your date going? Oh my gosh. Tell me how your date is going. Good luck. I think he likes you. You look beautiful girl. You got this. And it was, it was really beautiful. Yeah. It was a moment. Yeah. Didn't wind up going out with that guy for much longer after that, but, but he bought me a drink on my birthday. Nice. So mm, all's well that ends well. Yeah. Oh, burpee from the Diet Coke, too. I'm never not. <laughs> we can't drink on this. carbonation. Okay. All right. For the reasons we are here. I'm first this time, right? You were first last time? Yes. Okay. We are here to be lightweights and to talk about true crime. Yes. Yes. Sorry. That just felt like a real hard right turn, but. I know. I um, I just feel like we got to get back. Yeah. To There was a lot of, lot of Ryan yapping at us. There was us. a lot of Ryan trying to mansplain us on I our know. own podcast. We get it, Ryan. 
<laughs> okay. Emily. Yeah. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. I'm <laughs> are, listening. Are you drunk? I'm all ears. Okay. Um, no, I'm actually not. I'm okay, just good. like. Aggressive? <laughs> yes, that too. But I'm just really excited. I love doing this. Me too. It's fun. It's me in a good mood. Okay, Emily, I told Ryan a little bit about this story, but. For those listening, we have not talked about this. We don't tell each other our stories until yeah, we tell them right be- now. because we want to get honest to goodness reactions. I'm going to ask you a question about our shared alma mater in the town where we went to college. And uh-huh. I want you to answer me truthfully. Oh, no. No, what is, and I feel like you're going to oh. guess this. What is the one place, public place surrounding our alma mater that you were never supposed to go, especially if you were alone and especially if you were a woman or at night? parking lot no but think of like a specific place where bad things happened around our school mm, there was an atm around there that somebody <laughs> got the robbed story. at no the kid did not get robbed more over he gave someone money but that's a different story for a different podcast I don't know that like that weird little path by the by the parking lot at hope no creek, okay. creek, I, creek park i don't know what that is what did you even go to our shared unnamed alma mater Ryan, you knew that yes, Creek Park was but, a place you were never supposed to go. Yeah, but you knew my group of friends. I don't know. You you didn't frequent parks? I mean, neither did I. But We like didn't I, frequent anything. Okay. Okay. I Besides their house. Besides, okay, that's true. So here's the deal. Creek Park was the one place that was always like, yeah, somebody's always getting assaulted or stabbed there. You're not supposed to go there where, ever. Where is? Where was so, it? So fun fact, I then lived next to Creek Park. Our, my senior year, the house we lived on, like behind Home Depot. The Hidden Ranch House? The Hidden Ranch House was right by Creek Park. Um, okay, I still don't... I don't know where that house was, <laughs> well, but... <laughs> behind Home Depot, like right off of um, La Mirada. And uh, do you remember where the Blockbuster used to be? Yeah. And like, did we go by, to the same school? Um, by uh, Starbucks. Yes. Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you turned right like you were going to La Habra, but uh-huh. it was like right behind the Home Depot there. Okay. Anyway, whatever. Creek Park is the one place you weren't supposed to go. Um, and then I lived there right right next yeah. to Creek Park senior year. So as I was trying to think of like what murder do I want to talk about? Because it's kind of hard to narrow them down. Like where do you even begin? Yeah. When you're like, I need to talk about a crime. Yeah. Um, I found this story no. about Creek Park. <gasps> In La Mirada, California. So. This is nuts. Yeah. The year is 1992 in La Mirada, California. 17-year-old Vicky Gonim is, Gonim, Gonim, is enjoying the day at Creek Park with her 19-year-old husband. Okay, you know where like Savers is? Yeah. If it's very, the other side of the park is very close to that intersection. It's, just trust me. It's a big park. Kind of yes and no. Okay. But anyway. So the... Uh, I'm really good at directions. So I'm like... We'll look it up on Google Maps. really mad at myself for we'll not look it up after this. Okay. So it's 1992. 17-year-old Vicky is enjoying the day at Creek Park with her 19-year-old husband, Murad. M-O-R-R-A-D. I don't know why okay. they're married so young. I suspect it has something to do with their six-month-old son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe yes, maybe. maybe no. Who can say, right? So the three of them, Vicky, Murad, and their six-month-old son. This is a park that is very special to the young couple because they would often sneak away um, and play hooky during high school uh, and would to go... To conceive a child. <laughs> well, maybe. But also, like, this is a park that was near their high school, yeah. and this is where they'd go to be away together. Um, and as they're walking through the park... A group of men who Murad would later characterize as potential gang members catcall Vicky. 
who responds in turn with a smart remark, which how many Classic. times have you been catcalled and you've wanted to respond? Yeah. Like a million times, but I always hear my mother's voice in my head that's like, then they're going to follow you and kill yeah. you. So as much as I would like to do that. Was your mom paranoid about everything too? I don't know that she was paranoid so much as like stranger danger, you mm. know, cause that's like legit. Like women do get yeah. killed for that. Katie has come up with the best response that I think I've ever encountered. And this is mostly if you're driving, um, that if someone is like gesturing to you on the road or is like being obscene to you in another car, you just look at them like completely deadpan like no response whatsoever. Mm, and good. it is like, it usually freaks people out. Yeah. Like you don't give people the satisfaction of like, of like being mad. Right. Or... But it's just like, it's actually a lot creepier than you yeah, think. Um, and usually like the people that Katie has done it to just start laughing. Cause they're like, I don't know what to do <laughs> anyway. So they're walking through the park. This group of men cat calls Vicky, um, according to Murad. And she responds with a smart remark. It was then Murad said that he got a bad feeling and ushered his family towards the car. As they get into the car, Murad hears gunfire and looks over to see Vicky bleeding in the passenger seat, hit by a bullet. He speeds out of the parking lot, running a red light in an attempt to get Vicky to the hospital and is pulled over by a California highway patrol officer who he screams at, saying that his wife had been shot through the window of their car and that he didn't see who did it. And then Vicky goes limp in the passenger seat, dying before they reach the hospital. This whole time. Did the cop let him leave or? uh, I couldn't really see. Like the way the story was written was like she didn't have a a shot. Yeah, no matter what. And also like their six month old is in the backseat the whole time. So initially detectives follow up on the limited leads they had. Murad's description of the group of men and a bundle of clothes collected from the park. Interesting. Including a sweatshirt a witness recognized as one worn by a man jogging in the area after shots were fired. But the police never determined who the clothes belonged to. And eventually the case goes cold because all they have is the descriptions um, and that bundle of clothes. So Murad is only 19 when his wife is killed and he has a six-month-old son to raise. He eventually remarries, and he and his second wife have five children together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, in addition to his son from his first marriage, yeah. who they raised together. So in 2009, 17 years after Vicky's murder, also, LOL, that would be the year yeah. I would move to La Mirada, California. I didn't think about it until just now um, to go to school. The, so 17 years after Vicky's murder, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department receives grant money to reopen old cases and look at genetic evidence with tools that were not nice. available to them. Or if they were available to them, they didn't have the money to look into. So they get these grants. And so they run DNA found on a pair of black pants that were a part of the bundle of clothes they found in the park that day. I'm, I'm assuming like, I don't know, if you're jogging in pants, like does sweat contain DNA? Uh, or is it like yeah. touch DNA? Um, I think so. That would be my guess. I, you know, we're scientists, so yeah. we should know. Because, I mean, touch DNA, so wouldn't sweat have that in it? Yeah, that makes sense. So um, they run the DNA found on these pair of pants, and they get a hit um, to a man named Leon Martinez, who was already serving time in prison <laughs> for burglary. When the detectives go to speak to Leon, because it's not, it's not like, oh, we found his fingerprints on the gun because like there's yeah. no weapon. They just found these clothes disposed of in the park the same day that this yeah. woman was killed, right? So there's still a lot of dots they have to connect. 
So when the detectives go to speak to Leon, he initially tries to connect the clothes and the murder to a friend of his who was now at that time deceased, right? Like tries to pawn it off on this poor dead guy. But eventually he cracks. Like it doesn't take very mm-hmm. long for him to crack and tell the truth and admitted that he had been hired to kill Vicky Murad. Mm. This was not a carjacking gone bad as the police had suspected for the last 17 years. Vicky's death had been a hit. So in 1992, Leon goes to explain he had been a drug dealer and he met Vicky's husband, Murad, no. through a mutual friend. After Murad buys cocaine from Leon Martinez, Murad asks him if he knew of anyone he could pay to kill someone and make it look like a robbery. Leon told him that, was like, I have a handgun and I'll, <laughs> I'll do it. He just wanted her dead, Leon said. Ugh. So when he saw the, um, what is this? Why? Well, just you wait. Um, when he saw the Gonim family car, oh, I lost my space. Okay. When he saw the Gonim's car pull into the Creek Park parking lot, he was high on cocaine. Leon, the guy they're interviewing uh-huh. in prison, he told the investigators. He walks up to Vicky's side of the car and demands money because the whole point was to make it look like a robbery, right? I don't know like who he'd be feigning that for unless yeah. there was like witnesses around. Maybe yeah. he would have heard it. And he says, quote, she said, don't hurt my baby. I had no intention of hurting the baby, Martinez said during the preliminary hearing. He then fired into the car several times, fatally hitting Vicky. Murad then leaned over Vicky's body and handed Martinez an (gasps) envelope full of cash. Oh, my gosh. So Leon Martinez threw his clothes under a bush, disposed of the bullet shells, put on a trench coat, interesting (laughs) touch, and called a friend for a ride who he promised a dinner at the local Sizzler. Oh my God, Sizzler. Which is like right by the Starbucks we always yeah. hung, out, hung out at. I've never been in that Sizzler. I've always thought it was weird that there was a Sizzler there. I think it's gone now. I think it is recently gone, but it was there for a long time. So, Leon Martinez is tried and convicted for Vicky's murder in 2015. Oh, burping. But only given 28 years in exchange for his testimony against Murad mm. Gonim. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) At which point police move to arrest Murad, who is by then living with his third wife in Antigua. So it's from what I read, it's they went initially arrested him in 2010 after they got this story from Martinez. But then it looks like they let him go. And my guess is that because they couldn't. I don't understand why they couldn't like. It seems like they needed Martinez to be convicted of the murder in order for Martinez to testify against Murad. Yeah. I don't understand how that works, why they couldn't do that like concurrently. But I mean, it kind of makes sense that like you have to prove that he did it sure. to say, this is why I did it, I guess. Because if they were going to charge Murad, he could easily be like, no, that guy didn't kill my wife. It was somebody else. And then it's like... Yeah, no, totally. And you only have like one shot before yeah. double jeopardy goes into play. It just seems like then you give that person like four years to get ahead of yeah. you or go to a country that doesn't extradite or whatnot. So he's in Antigua with his third wife. And in May of 2015, he's extradited to the United States to stand trial for his part in Vicky's murder. So during his trial, where he adamantly professes his innocence and that he loved Vicky, um, and he sticks to his original story, 
of a he sticks to his original story of a gang of men catcalling Vicky and one of them shooting into the car uh, from behind the, the the bushes. And it's during this uh, trial that Murad's second wife, mm-hmm. with whom he raised his oldest son, yeah, is in Vicky's son, and their other five children comes forward and testifies that he once said to her, if you ever think of getting a divorce, I'll hurt you. It cost me $500 then, and it won't cost me much now. (gasps) And interestingly enough, she is allowed to testify this, even though his lawyers tried to appeal it on the basis of spousal privilege. Yeah. Um, Because the court ultimately ruled that, quote, threats made by the defendant to Miss Alfela were not made in confidence, nor are they the sort of communications that public policy seeks to protect in the interest of preserving marital confidences. Yeah. Right? Uh, Also, as an interesting aside, Murad's third wife, Evangelina Martinez, tried to dissuade the second wife from testifying about this conversation. And she was charged and convicted with one count of dissuading a witness and is now wow. on probation for three years. Yeah. Which um, this week, the president of the United States tried to intimidate <laughs> a witness in real time on Twitter. So here's to hoping he gets just as much time. Am I right, yep. folks? Three he, years probation. Three years probation. And not a second term. Anyway, so she comes forward to testify that he had like basically told her that he had done that before. So in November of 2016, nearly 20 years after the murder of Vicky Gonim, Murad Gonim was convicted of first degree murder for his hiring of the hitman that killed her. Before the judge sentenced Murad Gonim to life in prison without the possibility of parole, Martha Guzman, Vicky's sister, addressed her former brother-in-law. Murad, you're a coward and a monster, she told him. You deliberately put your son in danger to make your story more believable. We now know the truth and find some peace in that. You're finally going to be held accountable. And that is the story of the murder at Creek Park. Why did he do it? Why did he kill his teenage wife? It didn't really come out. I mean, it didn't really look uh, like motive wasn't clear other than this is my own like conjecture. Um, It seems like like in him saying to his second wife, if you ever think of getting a divorce, I'll hurt you. Like maybe it was a pride thing. And like he wanted to get out of that marriage, but didn't want there to be a divorce Divorce to speak of. Like, I I, I don't know. It never really came out. It doesn't seem like they had any money to speak of. Yeah. It, It to me just looked like he wanted out of that marriage and he didn't want to go through the hassle of a divorce or like deal with any difficult consequences. Um, but yeah, Creek Park, man. There's oh a reason gosh. we're not supposed yeah. to jog there ever. Ever, ever. Dang. Yeah. La Mirada. And just so bananas that like so That's, much of that parallels with our time there. Right. Yeah. That's nuts. So thank goodness for, for um, grants and cold case DNA tests. Yeah. Glad I didn't know where that park was because... Yeah, for real. College me would have gone there alone and been like, nothing's going to happen to me, just you watch. I'm emo and artsy and I'm yeah. tough. Yeah. I was, okay? I was. <laughs> I was not any of those things and I lived next to that park. So You did. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to do the Yuba County Five. Oh my goodness, I don't know this one. Okay. It's nuts. I can't wait. Okay. So on February 24th, 1978, a group of five guys who were like all really good friends and their families all called them the boys. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Did they crack open cold ones together? Probably. Probably. Um, They drove 50 miles to Sacramento from their home. In, they all lived around in Yuba County, some in Marysville. Um, so they drove to Sacramento to watch a basketball game. Shout out to Ryan, who really wanted a basketball story. Sports. Sports and sports, stuff. Sports, sports, So the basketball game was Chico State versus Davis. Um, and Davis won. Um, the, the boys, I'm just going to call them the boys, um, were Gary Mathis, who was 26, Bill Sterling, who was 29, Jack Hewitt, I hope I'm saying that right, who was 24, Ted Weir, who was 32, and Jack Madruga, who was 30. Um, So when Davis won, they all started to drive home. Um, On the way home, they stopped at like a little like liquor store market thing to get some snacks. Um, And the woman who worked there remembered them because it was like they came in like minutes before 10 and she was like, so pissed that like a group of five came in like so close to closing and she was like i'm gonna have to like close late um and then the next morning none of the boys showed up at home and so they all lived at home and so remind me their ages they're in like so 26 29 24 oh okay so they're in their 22 they're not like in high school but they're in their 20s yeah and so um When none of them came home, the parents called the police. And so they started a search. Um, And so Butte and Yuba County um, Sheriff's Departments started searches along the route that they would have taken. And they find nothing. Um, And so they start sending out like flyers, like missing person flyers, APBs. um, And then a few days later, a Plumas, I think is how you say it, Plumas, (laughs) National Forest Ranger, reported finding their car on February 25th. Um, and he didn't immediately report it because it was in a spot where people would park to go hike. Um, so he didn't think it was like suspicious when a car was parked in this spot. Um, and so they come and they investigate the car and it's full of all of like the empty wrappers um, from the snacks that they got at that store. So they know that like they went to the store and then somehow ended up here. And the car was 70 miles away from Chico and it was like way off the route from their way home. Um, And so to get to where the car was, you have to go through a lot of like winding dirt roads that has a lot of potholes. Um, And when they ended up towing the car, they realized that the bottom of it was like really clean. So like whoever drove was either like they knew the road really well that they knew exactly how to avoid the potholes or was driving very carefully um, because otherwise the car should have had like dings or dirt or whatever. I don't know cars. Um, And then it was parked like right at the snow line um, and it was stuck in the snow, but not so much that like a person wouldn't have been able to like push it and get it unstuck. Um, And then, like, the day that they found the car started snowing. And there was a really bad snowstorm for days. So they couldn't keep searching. Um, So there's two sightings. Two different, um, like, people who report seeing the boys between, um, like, when they were missing and their car was found. Um, There were a ton of people who, like, reported sightings. But these are the only two 
ones that are credible. So the first is this man named Joseph Scons. Um, and he was driving, driving up the same road to get to his cabin that he had up there to check on the snow. Cause the following weekend he had an upcoming ski trip with like his family. Um, and so his car got stuck in the snow too, like right on the snow line where they were. Um, but he was alone. So he got out and went to push the car, um, and started having heart attack symptoms. So he was like, I don't want to pass out in the snow. So we went and got back in his car and turned the engine on to keep the heater on. And twice throughout the night, he saw headlights like come up behind him and then groups of people get out of the car and like talking with each other. And when he would yell for help, they would turn the headlights off and like get really quiet. Um, and one time he said it was a red pickup truck. Um, and then the other report is this unnamed woman who worked at a store in Brownsville, which was about 30 miles from where the car was found. Um, and she said that the day, like two days after they went missing. So on February 26th, four of the boys came into her store and were in a red pickup truck, which is different from the car that they drove out there. Um, so the way that she like recognizes them is that like two of them were at a payphone and the other two like came into the store and they just they looked like they weren't from around there like they looked like they were either like up there visiting or were lost or something um and so she reports that she saw them um in march when she finally sees the flyers so it's been a while since we've seen the boys and then in in june after all the snow has finally melted um, a group of motorcyclists arrive at this trailer that was property of the forest department. Um, and it was about 19 miles away from where the car was found. Um, and the front window was broken. Um, and, and like all of this is nowhere near where they should have right. been it's, to be coming home from exactly. this basketball game. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the front window of the trailer was broken and when they opened the door, they were overcome by a horrible smell. Um, and you know what that means? Um, dead bodies. Yes. <laughs> you looked like you were going to say something. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I paused. dead bodies. So inside the trailer on the bed was Ted's body. Um, he was wrapped in eight sheets on the bed. Mm-mm-mm. Um, and next to the bed was his wallet, a ring that had his name engraved in it, a gold necklace and a watch. And the family said that that watch wasn't his. Oh, okay. um, and his beard was grown out so much that he had to have been alive for 13 weeks after what? he went missing. So, yeah. Okay. And he had also lost about 100 pounds. What? Even though the property had enough food to last five men for a whole year. Okay. There was also... Um, a fireplace, matches, and kindling, but it was never set, even though it was winter. Okay. So it was February, so it was snowy. And Ted's feet were frostbitten. Um, and so the, the doctors had said that with how much his feet were frostbitten, he wouldn't have been able to pick up his feet and put them on the bed because it would have been so painful. Yeah. And he wouldn't have been able to, like, wrap himself in a sheet and they could tell that they were frostbitten like pre-mortem yeah oh wow yeah um and 
um, Gary Mathis's shoes were there, but Ted's weren't. So they think that they were both in there at one point okay. and somehow traded shoes. Um, the closet there was also stocked with a lot of heavy winter gear that was also never touched. Um, and so after they found Ted, they started searching around the trailer and um, they found some of Jack Hewitt's bones, his jeans and his shoes about two miles from the trailer. And then the next day they found his skull and the dental records matched Jack. Um, and then on the other side of the road, so like the trailer is on one side of the road. And then on the other side of the road, they found um, Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling. And they were about 11 miles from the car. And the trailer that they found was 19 miles from the car. So it was like the trailer was on this side and a little farther and they were on this side and a little closer to the That's car. That's going to translate to this audio recording. So thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just for you. Yeah, I appreciate you know. it. Thank you. Um, and then both Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling's bodies were at this point just mostly bones and had been scattered because of scavengers. Um, and then on all four of those bodies, they did autopsies and it showed that the cause of death was hypothermia. Oh my gosh. So could they figure out if those other remains had been alive as long as the... Ted, the first one with the beard? I haven't seen anything. Because that's on that, the nuttiest part to me. Right. Is that he'd been alive for 13, 13 weeks. 13 weeks. After they went missing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Okay. And so at this point, they still haven't found Gary okay. Mathis. And so this is what the police theorize after they find these four bodies. So they think that the boys had gotten lost on their way home and somehow took a wrong turn and ended up on this this road where they got stuck in the snow. And then decided to just keep walking. But usually when people like get lost or stuck, they usually go back to where they came from because they know what's yeah. going to be there. Or they start walking like around in circles because they're like trying to go back to where they went. But the boys had just gone straight ahead, which is kind of weird. Um, and then the day before they went missing, the forest department had cleared a path to the trailer and cleared all the snow off the top of the trailer. So they think that as they kept walking, they came across like a cleared path and thought there must be people there because yeah. there was a path. And so they went to the trailer and they, um, on the way to the trailer, they think that, um, Jack Madruga and Bill Sterling died of hypothermia. And so the rest of the so boys quickly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Which is weird. Um, and that the rest of the boys got to the trailer and broke in, but were afraid of getting in trouble. Mm. So they didn't eat anything or touch anything for 13 weeks. That feels yeah. unlikely. Um, and then they think that after the other two died, um, so after Ted and Jack Hewitt died, Gary went to go find civilization. But Gary has still not been found to this day. So they lived in that trailer. Their theory is that they lived in that trailer for 13 weeks without like venturing out to try. Yeah. And or eating anything. Yeah. Or lighting no, a fire. Dudes. No, my dudes. No. So let's talk about Mathis. Okay. Gary Mathis. So. The one who hasn't been found. Yeah. The one who hasn't been found. His first hospitalization was in the 10th grade after a bad trip. Mm. Um, and then he joined the army, but he went AWOL. And then was, once he was caught, he was arrested. Um, and he was stationed in Germany, just like at a base there. 
Um, and so while he was in custody after going AWOL, he punched an officer in the face, um, saying that he just wanted to get out of the army. He wanted to be just discharged, and he thought that this was a great way to have that done. Um, and so at the same time, he also started hearing voices. And so he was released from the army um, with a schizophrenic diagnosis. Okay. Um, and in the same month he was discharged, he assaulted his cousin's 17-year-old wife. Oh, dear. Both our stories have 17-year-old wives. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, so she, he was visiting his cousin's house, and his cousin's wife was like in a deep sleep because she had been sick. So she took like NyQuil and was like passed out. And his cousin said that he like that Gary went to the bathroom and was taking too long. So he came back and Gary was like on top of his wife and he was like GTFO dude. Yeah. And so Gary was um, Gary pled guilty to the assault of the officer. And then his cousin dropped the charges of the Mm. assault on his wife. And then in that same year, he was arrested when his friends, he had like a friend who was, who were like a husband and wife. Um, they called the police because he had showed up high at his house. He had shot up some meth and taken amphetamine benzedrine. Okay. Sounds um, bad. Yep. And he showed up at their house and was talking about how he wanted to stab a woman in the jaw. Ooh. Just like any woman in the jaw. But then he told their three-year-old daughter, he said, I thought I already killed you. Guess I'll have to do it again. And that's when they were like, mm, no. Bye. Bye. Gotta go. So he was arrested for that. In the same year, he was also arrested on suspicion of Grand Theft Auto, got into a slew of bar fights, got citations for disturbing the peace, citations for driving without a license. He escaped a psych ward three times. Wow. And he spent five weeks in Oregon with his grandparents and then randomly showed up back home all ragged and dirty. He had walked 550 miles wow. home. Wow, wow, wow. He also randomly broke into a home and woke up the people who lived there and said, this is my house. I'm here to collect rent. And they oh were like, no. Nope. And so he finally started taking some antipsychotic medication yeah. consistently for two years. And then he disappeared. And so at the time of his disappearance, his family was like, so he had out. been, he had been on he the up and up for two years before for two this years. Happened. Yeah. So his parents were freaking out because they were like, he doesn't have his meds with him. Yeah. We know what happens when he's not on his meds. Yeah. So they like put posters and flyers out to all of the hospitals, like in California and no one has ever seen him or anything. But like, the thing that sticks with me is the beard. Yeah, that <laughs> that Ted is was alive be lodged in my mind forever. Thirteen weeks. Thirteen weeks. That's a little over four months. Oh no, no. my goodness! Three months. Math is hard. Math is super hard, and we're just girls with our weak upper I arms. No, we don't know anything. Lack of mathematical ability. That is wild, yeah. because you know that we don't know like anything close to what actually happened. Exactly. That's the, I live for that. I live I know. for those kinds of stories. I think it's important to point out that while there are some people who are mentally ill who commit acts of violence, yeah. that the mentally ill are much more statistically likely to be victims, victims. of a violent crime than to commit it. But obviously like it played a role yeah. 
in his and then sometimes you'll be mentally ill and try to self-medicate with drugs and it like sends you into a state right. of like permanent psychosis yeah. yeah um that is i know that i i have goosebumps thinking about this i know i, I just want i just want to know yeah i just want to know because it's like okay i believe that like three of the three of the boys who were found outside died of hypothermia but like how did Ted die and where is Gary like I I can can completely see how Gary could have been off his medications and thought I can walk home because at one point he walked from Oregon home and maybe it was just winter and it was too cold and he couldn't do it but why would he walk home if and like, I don't know, just yeah. What, and why? also at this point, I don't, the whole, like the food and the kindling not being touched. Like at this point, if I'm lost in the wilderness for 45 minutes, exactly. I'm going to be taking people's food and right. kindling. Like this is officially the walking dead. Yeah. It's every man for themselves. Exactly. So that is bananas to me as yeah. well. Like what circumstances were going on there? Right. Did they only just recently get to that cabin and, yeah. or Wow. I know. And there was a story about Ted where one time their house was on fire. His family's house was on fire. And he was in bed and his, like, he could see his ceiling catching on fire. And his family was like, come on, get out. And he was like, no, I have work in the morning. I really have to rest. And his brother was like, I'm going to come in there and drag you out because you need to come out. So his family said that there was a little bit of like lack of common sense there, but I don't, the Yuba city five. Yeah. That is wild. I know that is so wild. I know. I'm going to lay awake thinking about that. I know your cat is in Phoenix. Phoenix is in the Amazon box. Cat in a box. Phoenix, my nemesis who I take a Claritin because of every time before I come yeah. Um, she's not my nemesis. Her fur is my nemesis. Yeah. Her dander. Her dander. But she's just really going to town on that Amazon I know. Box. Can you hear that it? Is in the recording? Delightful. Ryan says no, so I apologize. We could hear the several Instagram stories that Ryan was watching on full volume, though. Those will probably <laughs> come up on the Instagram story. We pay him to make us drinks <laughs> and to record us, and he so sits on Instagram. Much money. Oh, you know what story I was going to tell you earlier? Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, wait, wait for it. So, well, I told you part of it is that um, I live in this tiny back house that has uh-huh, really bad plumbing. Uh-huh, yeah. And last night, I flushed the toilet and then sewage started coming up through the bathroom or oh. into the bathtub. I'm sorry. It was disgusting. <laughs> into the bathroom. Into the bathroom. Into the bathtub. It was absolutely. That's disgusting. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And so I told my landlord and bless his sweetheart. He was like, I left them a message and they're going to come out tomorrow morning. It's like, cool. And my landlord is a teacher and he was like, uh, will you be there? So I work from home. So my hours, like I'm always home or I can't uh-huh. be for things when plumbers are like, we'll be there between the hours of such and such. And so my landlord was like, do you want me to like be there? And, but I don't want the teacher to have to like t- find a sub yeah. and like do all this thing when like I can be there. And I was like, no, that's fine. I'll be there. And he's like, okay, the plumber's coming between 11 and one. So before 11 o'clock hit, I made sure that I Phoenix, could you yeah. please, could you please be quiet? Could this you, is important. This is important. 
I'm very tired of your disrespect. She's looking at me like, what did I do? So um, it's looking like she's ready to get shipped somewhere. So the plumber, like before 11 o'clock, I made sure that I had my mace hidden in my living room. Oh, my God. Um, because it was like, okay, just in case. when the plumber gets there, I'm going to size him up and be like, could I take him? Which unless this plumber was a small emaciated boy (laughs) (laughs) like child up in the fourth grade I was not gonna be able to take him physically should it come to that so I made sure that I had my mace hidden in my throat pillows um on my couch because you never you never know know. you never know you never you never know know. he was really nice he even put on like little booties to walk into my house so that he wouldn't like drag dirt into my home but good news, my house doesn't smell like feces anymore. Yay. And I'm practicing stranger danger. Yes. So there you go. I'm proud of you. Oh, thanks, Em. Yeah. Thank you so much. Did, did you Google a detox Shoot, question? Shoot, I didn't. Listen, I have a good one lined up. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, because next, next time we I'll really, do We've really got to remember this better. But uh, if you could have an unlimited supply of one thing for the rest of your life, Ooh. what would it be? And don't make it stupid. Like I'd have oil so I could sell it and be a billionaire. Like that's not the point. I want like, what is something you would want an unlimited supply of? That's not going to make you wealthy. Does peace count? Mm. <laughs> snaps, 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 snaps. I think diet Coke, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> or love. I love diet Coke. Yeah. Yeah. It would probably save you a bundle. You drink a lot of Diet Coke. I do. I mean, so do I. I'm a sucker. I mean, it's not expensive. We have right. a Costco membership, mm. but. I feel like I probably spend more money than I realize. I'm a sucker for like stopping off at a. Gas station. At a gas station. <laughs> at a gas station. Because like I love a good like fountain Diet Coke oh, like over ice. There is a ranking. Ranking. Fountain is at the top. Oh, it is. And fountain can glass Mm -hmm. liter (laughs) single bottles it also my favorite thing at our uh, don't at me (laughs) (laughs) it took you like six episodes but you managed to find a time to say don't at me um the thing that i loved at our alma mater at the eatery was to do three half no 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 the um the one where you across from the bookstore where you paid with Flex, not the coffee shop, the other oh, one. Oh, Eagle's uh, Nest. Oh my gosh, Emily, you're gonna let it, it. You're gonna reveal it to everyone. Is to do three quarters Diet Coke, one quarter Cherry Coke, because to me, straight Cherry Coke. Well, I don't drink like it's, regular Coke, yeah, Coke, um, because I'm trying to keep my girlish figure. But no, it tastes disgusting. Well, and also it's too much. But like three quarters Diet Coke, one quarter Cherry Coke is like just enough cherry flavor for it mm. to be delicious. And so I do that at gas stations too. Also at Chick-fil-A, which we no longer have to feel bad about eating at. Did I tell you this? No. They stopped donating to anti-LGBTQ organizations. Um, Praise the Lord on high. (laughs) (laughs) So at Chick-fil-A, I always, when they're like, what would you like for your drink? And I'm like half Diet Coke, half Cherry Coke. And it always throws whoever's writing down my order because they have to like beep, bop, boop, bop, beep into the iPad, like something ridiculous. And I'm always like, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, Diet Coke. Sorry, all the way back to Diet Coke. I feel like uh-huh. that would be a good choice for you. Have you been to any of those places that have like the magic Coke machines? The like hundred plus choice? Yes. That's the gas yeah. station I stopped at to Ugh. get my Claritin on the way here. I always That's my get favorite thing. Vanilla Diet Coke. So good. So good. It's so it like and I love that you can do the flavored Diet Cokes on those, but yeah. still to me, like a quarter of the real stuff 
Interesting. In the three quarters of Diet Coke is the magic combination. Mm. It's magnificent. Maybe I'll try that someday. Also, sorry, mom. I'm for sure not drinking Diet Coke this much. My mom always gets on me about how much I drink Diet Coke. Oh, my mom is the one who got me on Diet Coke. So thanks, Same. Judy. But now she's like, don't do it. Don't, you know, don't drive through and spend your money at coffee shops or drink Diet Coke. And it's 100% what she does. Oh. <laughs> Love you, Suze. Love you, Tootie. Mm, Tootie. Tootie follows us on Instagram. I, I saw know. our 11 followers she's, as of yeah. right now. She's listened to an episode. Oh my gosh, has she really? And she was like, I love it so much. I had to stop and get gas and I just couldn't <laughs> wait to get back in the car. <laughs> I was like, I Judy. love my mom. <laughs> Hi, mom. Hey, mom. That's so cute. Um, I would have to say, and this is honest to God, the first thing that came into my mind and it's not the most practical because like, we're not looking for practicality right, here. Right, that's true. The maximizer in me is like, do gasoline. Like, you know, that'll yeah. save you so much money. But honestly, is living proof dry shampoo. Oh my gosh. So if they You're want, obsessed. It's because I never want to wash my hair. I'm obsessed because I don't ever mm. want to wash my hair. And it actually, like, I couldn't, I couldn't shower in my shit shower yesterday. That's true. <laughs> so, like, the only reason I would look acceptable enough to come into public yeah. by which I mean your home um, was because of uh, living proof dry shampoo. Nice. I, and it's, it's kind of expensive for dry shampoo. Yeah. And so I'm always like, Oh, but it's worth it. And so that is what I would have just like nice. you open my medicine cabinet and it's just nothing full, but living proof dry shampoo nice. promo code lightweight. <laughs> um, anyway, this has been a good, nice. I know it's been real productive. Ryan, thank you so much for your service to our nation and this podcast. To our nation. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Catch you on your old flippy flop. Cheers. Oh my gosh, wow, we just picked that up effortlessly I know. with each other. I'm really proud of that. Talking I love up. the Barry Gibb talk show. It is it is a priceless American treasure. Talking it no. up. No duh. <laughs> no, no, no duh. duh. <laughs> Justin and Jimmy are one of my favorite pairs of people. Truly. And you know what? Close to James Corden and Harry Styles thing that they have going on. I enjoy that combo as well. Talking it up on the Barry Games Talk Show. Also, Lizzo is going to be on the Christmas episode of SNL. Oh, nice. Yeah. As a guest or? As a musical guest. Artist. I'm oh, nice. excited for that. Okay. Do you need time to type? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Do your thing, girl. Fee five o fum, fee five o Peter Piper Around, around the rugged rock, the ragged rascal ran. How do you know all of these? I don't know. It's like all my, all my, all my theater days are coming like flooding back. Really? Okay, okay. Go, you go. Well,
All right.